that third failure in a row, did you think, I need to pack this in? Never. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Hey, it's Tristan, host of the Progressing Humanity podcast. And a lot of people talk about having plans. They talk about, okay, you should not have a plan B, only have a plan A. And a lot of people talk about planning. And, you know, they say plans are useless. Or they might say uh, plans are, plan, planning is invaluable, plans are useless, as the saying goes. And I want to share my thoughts on how I think about this because I think it's I think it's a useful way of thinking. I think at the end of the day, this is a this is kind of a dichotomy. You want to do planning, but at the same time, you want to prioritize your results more than you prioritize your plan. The plan is not the most important thing. The plan is the actual results. So you really want to have multiple plans in your mind. You want to take a moment and you want to completely plan things out. You want to think through every single step. I think this is one of the things that's most missing, especially in the business world, is having a strategy and being a strategist instead of a tactician, which means planning multiple steps ahead and thinking about how each step makes it easier to do the next step. Because I think that's what a great strategy is or a great plan each step makes the next step easier. Having community makes it easier to get feedback for the product, which allows you to build a better product when you do come to building it. And generating revenue from that community by selling NFTs gives you capital to be able to then find a co-founder, to be able to then build a product for free while having a community that you can leverage to talk to investors and raise funding and test your MVP on and have user base already built into this community. So you get what I'm saying? Like, this is how you wanna think about your strategy. But the reality is that the actual plan matters a lot less than the result. So you want to have a multiple backup plans while, st while still going all in within reason into the main plan. And you also want to weigh the probabilities, and you often do this calculation in your head anyway, like what's the probability this plan is going to succeed? And if you even do, do this exercise, you pull out a piece of paper, I swear, most problems can be solved with a piece of paper and a pencil and a pen and some thinking and some reading. If you just write out what your plan is, and then you write the probability of that plan succeeding, and then you write all the things that could go wrong with the plan. What are all the things that couldn't work? And then you ask yourself, what are my assumptions built in this plan? One thing I've really noticed about myself is that a lot of my plans have been contingent, the success have been contingent on my assumptions about the plan. So I will assume something that I don't even realize I'm assuming, and then I'll realize that my plan was, was only going to succeed with this assumption and this assumption was actually like low probability or it was false. For example, when I first tried to launch my NFT project, I made all these promises for what my NFT project would be able to deliver to my users based on hitting a certain amount of revenue from the project. And it, for some reason, never occurred to me 
until later on that this number that I was projecting that I was going to be able to generate as far as profit was completely, it completely had no grounds for existing. It was just pure idealism. I didn't get that number from anywhere. I pulled it out of thin air. But for some reason, that really never occurred to me in my head because I just thought, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I just thought I was capable of achieving that number. And that number was built into, or it was the assumption built into the plan. And that made the entire plan fall apart because the numbers that I was projecting did not end up manifesting in reality. So when you're creating a plan, you want to evaluate that plan. And then you want to ask yourself, what are the assumptions built in this plan? What can go wrong? What am I assuming is going to happen here? And what, what things within this plan are most important for the success of the plan? In the example I gave, the amount of revenue the project generated was the most important thing for the plan to go through. Without that amount of revenue generated, there's a lot of things we could not deliver to our end users because we did not generate that revenue that I thought we were going to generate. You might be creating a plan that's based around a specific user growth or a specific uh, ob objective you think you're going to reach um, as far as your how uh, fast your product is going to grow. All of these things you should find a way to actually take out of your plan and you should find a way to become successful even if there's a worst case scenario. Say, okay, if the worst case scenario happened, could we still be successful with this plan? Or plan A is if best, best case happens, plan B is if worst case happens, and plan C is for if something in between happens. And just doing this, this is called scenario planning. Just planning what you're gonna do for each scenario when that thing actually happens, if you prepared your team for each scenario, and there's a book that I read, I forget uh, which book I read that specifically talked about this. If you plan your team and equip them for each scenario and they're prepared and they know exactly what the plan is, if X outcome happens, what you can do is you can now uh, prepare your team to execute that plan and instead of being caught off guard and everyone kind of panicking or feeling uncertain, everyone already knew what to do. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you like practice fire drills, you know, heaven forbid an actual fire breaks out. Well, now you have this plan, you've trained your entire, you know, student base on, and now they all know what to do in response to this. So if you can do the same type of logic with your team and kind of get them prepared for different scenarios, then, you know, there won't be a decrease in morale or there won't be, you know, panicking when a scenario does hit. But I think uh, the, the overarching principle for this, for maximizing your probability of success and also reducing your constraints, is to have so many balls in the air that one is bound to go in. To take massive action, if you really need to make a certain amount of sales and the main factor, main limiting factor is having an amazing sales rep, do so many interviews that 
you're bound to find a great salesperson and make the sales process and the offer so good that even a weak salesperson could be successful. Make the offer so damn good, so damn irresistible in comparison to the price that even someone with no sales experience could sell it. That's how you want to create the offer. Could sell it because it is so good. Offer funding to your customers so that your high ticket offer is so damn good and it's so manageable for people to purchase and you've hired such damn good reps that you've 10x what is actually necessary to be successful, which makes it just more likely you're going to be successful. So have so many balls in the air, so many more VC meetings, so overprepared that by the time you actually go into battle, your chances of success are exponentially higher than they would have been. And this is why boot camp is often way more difficult than actual combat. A lot of uh, Marines will tell you this, it's way more difficult usually to do boot camp than it is to go in actual combat. And that's the military strategy is to make so you're so well equipped that actual battle feels like nothing in comparison to practice. And if you, and some of the ways that the most successful people in the world have become world class, you know, for example, like a chess champion, is that what they'll do, and this is an actual example, a chess world championship, a, a chess world champion will play blindfolded against other masters and basically try to beat every single master in that room blindfolded without being able to see the pieces on the board. And every, every champion, every recent champion, Magnus Carlsen, uh, uh, Gary, I can't think of his last name, pretty much everyone before him did this exact uh, exercise. So what, he, what they do is they push themselves in practice to the extreme, so the actual match is kind of nothing in comparison to being blindfolded. And if you look at just other, other examples of this, like Michael Phelps, routine when it comes to his practice. Um, he practices way harder than the actual Olympics when you're swimming against all these other competitors. And Tom Brady, it just you look at all the best, the goats, their practice was way more challenging than the actual thing. Uh, at least that's how it was designed to be. In reality, I mean, there's other factors involved when you're actually doing the championship, like stress and pressure and stuff like that. Uh, that have to be taken into account. But anyway, have so many balls in the air. Be so over-prepared that when you actually get into battle, you it's almost impossible for you to fail. That's how you want to think about it. Anyway, hope this was valuable. I'll see you in the next episode of Progressing Humanity Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Suited. If you're in the crypto space, download our scam block or blockum.io. It's free. It'll protect you from scams. And 